Well, it's so good to be back with you this morning. You know, I, I heard only good things uh, last week uh, with Grant's message, and I'm glad he could come. And while he came here, I was over there. So he lives uh, in Kentucky right now, and so we swap places per se. So um, so glad, though, that it was a blessing uh, to you, and that's what I've heard repeatedly, that it was, uh, he brought the word, and amen to that. And so, so glad to hear that. Uh, you know, even though uh, we, it was good to be away in respect to taking the class I did, it's good to be back, and good to be back with you all. Uh, love you guys, prayed for you while we were away, or I was away, and then Megan was away. And so, uh, yes, and so, um, yeah, so, uh, well, before we turn uh, to the Word, let me uh, open us up in prayer. Father, we come before you. We thank you, O Lord. Thank you for your great and glorious plans, which we recognize are good and are great and which span all of history, and we recognize that this uh, December, and as we are uh, looking forward to celebrating uh, Christmas, we know Christ, He came in humility, and now, even now, He is exalted in glory. And that is glorious for us, and it is a promise for us that is certain and will not fail. And so, Father, as we come this morning, may you help us and may we come in awe of these truths, in awe of uh, what Christmas is about, the birth of Christ. And as we come, may we come in humility as well, humbly receiving your word. May you give me grace to faithfully Preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, our passage today uh, has much to say about prayer, as Rhett mentioned as well. Well, I can say that I stand before you this morning because of prayer. And you know, in past sermons, I have told you of my conversion story, but perhaps I haven't told you of the prayers that went before my conversion story. The year I came to faith, you know, Megan, my wife, and her mom, they were on their knees praying for the person, the husband, that she would marry. The year I came to faith, my mom and her Sunday school They were pleading with God to bring me to faith in Christ. Because I I was a a wild person at that time. Hitting doors, scaring my mom greatly in the process. But they were praying for me and perhaps there were more. So I stand here this morning, yes, solely because of grace and solely because of Christ. And His work on the cross for me. 
Yes, I stand here because of him who was born in the world in humility and rose from the dead in victory. But God graciously answered the prayers of his people such that I stand here now as an evidence to you of answered prayer. And I wonder, you know, how many of you are here this morning, there in your seats, because of the prayers of someone else? Someone who prayed for you, your father, your, your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, a friend, a neighbor, because of their prayers, there you are. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. Well, friend, I'm glad you are here because I have been praying for you and I've been praying that you would be here this morning. So it is then that we come to our next passage here in the letter of Colossians, which addresses prayer, and it calls us to prayer, and specifically to prayer and to live for the gospel. So, if you have a Bible, and I I hope you do, whether it's on a phone or it's in your hand, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, and I'll be reading verses 2 through 6. May God's Spirit work as we read and hear God's Word this morning. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, now having begun his letter with prayer. As you may remember, Colossians 1, it opens with Paul telling them how he's always praying for the Colossians. Well, now, Paul, he returns near the end of this letter to prayer once again. So in this letter, Paul, or God, (laughs) Paul is not God, but God, through Paul, has called us to lives to churches and to homes and to work lives centered upon Christ. And so now he turns to what? To our prayers. That our prayers would be centered upon Christ. So indeed, we are being called to do everything in the name of the Lord. So hence... First here, rightly so, we are exhorted then to a life of prayer. We are exhorted to a life of prayer. So as those who belong to Christ, we are verbally to lift up our voices and our hearts 
in prayer through Jesus to the Father by the Spirit. And so, if you remember in chapter 3, you know, Paul, he, he talked about how we have put off the old man and we have put on the new man. Like clothing, you have put on Christ. Well, the new self in Christ is to be a praying self. So prayer and the Christian are to be inseparable. So in other words, let prayer saturate your life. Let prayer saturate your life. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, or literally, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, note, this is a positive command. Um, but even as I say this, you might feel it differently. You might feel this as, as in kind of a negative way, like, like a negative command. Oh, pastor, prayer again? I so often fail in my prayer life. I mean, what burdens you are placing upon me? Well, no, brother or sister, this is not intended as a burden for you, but it is to bring relief in the midst of your burdens. Now, yes, the Spirit of God, He may bring conviction for you having not prayed. And if that is the case, I mean, my goodness, yes, take heed to the Spirit of God. However, this is a positive command. And this is not meant to be a whip to hit you while you are down, but this is a God-given gift. A gift. So consider the glorious privilege this is. In and through Christ, you may draw near to God. the invisible, infinite, eternal, glorious, wise, transcendent, omniscient, omnipotent, self-sufficient, sovereign, good, merciful, kind, gracious, loving, triune God. You may draw near to him. And oh my, is that not a privilege? A privilege and a call for you and me to look to the one who cares for us, he who lifts up the downcast, him who raises the fallen, him who gives rest to the weary, him who would not leave you dead in your sin and brokenness, but would what? Come down to you and declare, broken, beaten sinner, let light shine out of darkness. I have been broken and beaten for you. That is indeed a high privilege. So let us gladly come before this gift 
of prayer to him whom we love. He is our help. So how good it is to depend on him in all of life. To saturate ourselves with lives dependent upon him as our Lord in everything in our lives. Home, I can't do it. Lord, help me, my children, my spouse, me. Work, I can't do it. It's my boss, my co-workers. Oh, this world is so much. The burdens are so great, you were not meant to bear them. Take him to the Lord in prayer. Because he is our help. And he will help us. Even if all you can do in a moment is this, God, help me. That's enough. So let your prayer, let prayer saturate your life. And there is also to be a yearning in our prayers. So we need to yearn for home. We are to be watchful, it says here. So looking forward to our Lord's return. Maranatha, come, O Lord, is to be our cry. Not content with this world. Right? Isn't that what we see in Scripture? Come, Lord Jesus, come! That's to be our heartfelt longing. And now, right now, perhaps in your heart, you're realizing, well, actually, I kind of love this world. And I don't really want to leave this world. What God is calling you to the greater home that you are called to. This is not your home, Christian. You are part of Christ's kingdom. So live to His kingdom and long for His return. You know, after, as you know, going to Kentucky last week for my classes, I mean, there was, you know, a sweetness about coming home uh, here. And I'm not, no pun intended, sweet home Alabama, that's not, not what it was about. But there was a sweetness about coming home uh, to our house. And there's a restfulness, just entering the, entering the house, you know, a rightness about being back. And I'm sure you can you can sympathize when when you come home and you've been gone for a while. It's just like, ah, yes. You know, it was good that we were gone. We had a good time, but I'm glad to be back. Now we were just returning to our earthly home, right? How much more then should our yearning be for Christ's return? to lead us into our eternal dwelling. We are sojourners and strangers here. This is not your home. We're just, we're traveling through it. Peter says we are exiles. Do you feel like an exile? You are. Because we are awaiting glory. As we reflect 
upon the birth of Christ, his first coming, and the great anticipation and longing and yearning, right? Imagine what they were like prior to Christ's coming. There was a yearning for him to come. Where is the Messiah? O come, O come, Emmanuel. We long for his coming. So also, as so assuredly came his first coming, so also assuredly will come his second coming. And in the same way, how are we to be? Oh, come! Oh, come! Emmanuel. We still long for that. And may we bow our knees with thanks that because He will come again just as assuredly as He came the first time. It's certain. It is sure. And it is not in doubt. And so our prayers ought to be and to have a watchful, alert, yearning to them, an expectation with thankfulness to what is to come because it is mine in Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord. I have it and I'm I'm waiting for it to be realized. Yet, at the same time, we see another implication of this emphasis on watchfulness for our prayer. That we need to engage in war-wrought prayer. This phrase, be watchful, so it can turn both directions here. Come, O Lord! And I'm ready to do battle. You'll remember Jesus' words to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter also, he writes, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we also must be alert in the sense of doing battle. You know, I think often what we do is when we are cornered in by our old foes, our persistent enemies of sin, of self and Satan, you know, we just lay down and take the beating. We get walloped again and again. And we forget that we are at war. If an army came against us, will we just lay down and be destroyed? No. What would we do? We would call reinforcements. If your house was surrounded by evil men, you would certainly seek out help and not sit by and do nothing. We must then take up our resources our spiritual walkie-talkie, our spiritual phones, and seek our God? Could it be that our spiritual maladies are due to our desperate need for prayer? Our desperate need for God? We were not meant to go into battle without prayer? So seek the help of God 
in your families. Seek the help of God in our church and for God to bring about a revival in this dying and dead land. There is a battle being waged. And would His people not be watchful and pray? But perhaps, in some ways, symbolically, we're like the disciples who are asleep when we should have been praying. Awake and pray, church. So pray in all these ways, but continue on and pray also for opportunities to share Christ. Opportunities to share Christ. So Paul, he asks the Colossians to pray for them. Why? Well, so that the gospel may progress. You know, Paul, he was in prison. It was a closed door. Yet he asked for prayer, for the gospel to advance. He still longed and yearned for opportunities that he may share Christ with others. For opportunities that he may declare Christ and declare him clearly. So we we must also pray, Lord, give us opportunities. Daily, Lord, open doors. Help us make it clear. Help me find opportunities to share Christ with other people. You know, Lottie Moon, we talked about Lottie, those who were here Wednesday night, did kind of a biographical sketch on Lottie Moon and her life. Wow. Amazing woman. Well, she's the one from whom our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is named. Well, she was a woman who was passionate about seeing the gospel reach the lost. She wrote, in view of her mission in China, missionaries being few, she said, the needs of these people press upon my soul. And I cannot be silent. It is grievous to think of these human souls going down to death without even one opportunity of hearing the name of Jesus. Once more I urge upon the consciences of my Christian brethren and sisters the claims of these people among whom I dwell. Here I am working alone in a city of many thousands inhabitants with numberless villages clustered around or stretching away in the illuminate distance. How many can I reach? Why are the laborers so few? They would not seem so were the church of God awake to her high privilege and her weighty responsibilities. Well, may the lostness around us press on our souls. May it press upon us to pray. Friends, take up prayer. Prayer is action. May we not sin by failing to pray as we ought. 
Instead, out of love for our Savior, in obedience to all that He has said and called us to, let us gladly live lives of prayer. This then leads us naturally to Paul's next exhortation here. So, a life of prayer now to a life of witness. A life of witness. So we are called here, he says, to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. So this means, if you know Christ, you are the insiders. Right? Those who belong to Christ in our Christ church. So we are called to walk in ways characteristic of Christ towards outsiders. Those who are not part of the body of Christ. So we have, you know, seen here this, he says, walk in wisdom. So we have seen this emphasis on wisdom really throughout Colossians. So what does he mean by wisdom? Well, Paul, he prayed in Colossians 1.9, the beginning of the letter, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then from there, he points directly to Jesus as the source of true wisdom and understanding. He writes in chapter 2, verse 3, in whom, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, our walk is to give off the aroma of Christ everywhere we go, in all that we do. How? Well, Paul, he gives us two ways. The first way is use your time Well, share Christ. Making the best use of the time. You know, there are a thousand things in our day that are grabbing at our time. I mean, the average user of a smartphone uses their phone around five and a half hours a day. Now, I'm not saying we must abandon technology nor turn our nose up at anything new. It's of the devil. No, that's not the way to think of it either. But we must, above all people, consider how we may leverage our time, how you can leverage your time for the sake of the gospel. Charles Spurgeon, my guy, the prince of preachers, famously said, Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap over, leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. So consider then your use of time. How are you leveraging your day to share Christ? You know, a few months ago, while I was, you know, getting new tires for my car, actually I think it was Brakes is what were being changed out. 
Well, the owner and I of the, the place, you know, we, we started talking and we struck up a conversation and, uh, of course, it began very generally and, uh, but, you know, he asked what I did. I said, I'm a pastor and we began talking about the things of the Lord and I was able to, by God's grace, the door was opened. Share, I was able to share Christ with him. Once I was at a bookstore, you know, I began, I think I was in the Christian section, and I began talking with the gentleman there, uh, and as we talked, uh, we began talking about the things of God. And he came to faith in Christ as I shared Christ with him, and we had lunch together many times after that. When I worked in automotive work, we were required to, you know, go outside and, and hold the sign to draw customers in. I'm, you know, I'm sure you've seen those weird people with signs. I was one of those weird people. No, I did not spin it around or anything like that. Um, but oftentimes you would go out, whether it's cold or hot outside, and and it would often be more than just me. It would be others with me, and and those were tremendous opportunities for me to get to know my coworkers, but oftentimes to share Christ with them. Again and again. And over the years, you know, Megan and I, we've been able, we've had the, been blessed to develop relationships with waiters and waitresses, you know, that we've, uh, these different restaurants we would go to, and, and even to this day, Megan is friends with a woman on Facebook uh, who she still talks to and even talked to this past week and has prayed for. And she, and this, this woman knows that she's being prayed for Megan, with Megan. Now, what, what we're doing, it's not unique. You know, it's not special to us. You also may leverage your time for the sake of the gospel. How in your day-to-day life, can you begin doing this? At, at your work, your neighbors, your the restaurants you go to. There are opportunities there. Leverage your time to share Christ. A second way that Paul gives here to a life of witness is use your words well. Model Christ. Use your words well. Model Christ. So, so weigh your words. Consider whether they are seasoned with the salt of the gospel. Consider how your words are witnessing to the truth that you have been redeemed by the Savior of the world. How are your words filled with grace as a person who has tasted grace themselves? And even when you fail, because I know I have, when you don't speak those words of grace, even then that's an opportunity to model Christ and going to that person and saying, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was mean to you. I'm sorry I was angry with you. I'm sorry I treated you that way even if they don't know the Lord. I've had to do that many times 
And if you're honest, you know, we all have to do that. And that is modeling Christ before our world. But lest I end here without appealing to those here who may not know Christ, you must know Christ to model Christ. There is a reason we are so serious about all of this. Coming and gathering together to worship Christ, the preaching of the Word of God, sharing Jesus with those around us. It's why we have raised up buildings all around the world filled with those who are worshiping Christ. It is because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And you may be here and you have come with a heart full of burdens. You're asking yourself, what of all this witnessing while my own soul is languishing? Well, Christ gently tells you this morning He has come to save you. He has come to bear your guilt. The guilt that weighs upon your heart and soul upon Himself. He came to bear the sin that has severed you from God and is presently weighing down upon you and rightly condemns you. But notice, Christmas, He came. This is even what we are celebrating this Christmas, isn't it? He came to save you. To bear your sin upon Himself. And so cast yourself upon His merciful hands. He has come. He has died. He has risen again to accomplish salvation for broken sinners that you may be made right with the one that you have rebelled against. So my plea for you this morning, turn from sin and self and put your faith in Christ. And, church, let us take up this call to life of prayer, to life of witness, and let us go and tell of Him. And go, even as the song says, tell it on the mountain, this good news that we have. Let's pray.